0: are delicious. I use paper plates because I hate doing dishes. Come on, amen. I'm turn around, greet your neighbor, go ahead and have a seat. We're gonna we're gonna get started this evening. You know, I. Uh, you know, we I've been married for thirty nine years now, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's over the years, over the years, you, you, you know, we ain't getting those, you know, teddy bears that take up half of your house, right? You see those? I always say, you know, yeah, go for it. Go for it. We're beyond that, you know. So, you know what? I, 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 my wife is well-deserving, so I got her this really, really nice diamond ring, the crazy thing was that I didn't understand is why it was attached to a coffee cup. So I told her, well, you could sit there with your diamond ring and you could have a nice cup of coffee tambien. Amen. <laughs> years back, years back when I bought this, I showed it to Pastor Stella. and <laughs> She was all excited. Oh, she's going to love it. But when she saw that, she goes, oh, you rascal. Well, this evening I, I want to minister on on a subject uh, based out of the Book of John, chapter four, if you'll turn there. But I was listening to a discussion among uh, pastors, leaders, and they formed a panel. The panel was just to discuss it's like what are some of the needs of the church today. What are some of the areas as we go into, you know, we move farther into the, the 21st century? There's, there's, there's a, a, a shift that is taking place. And, and one of the leaders had spoke about the transformation or the evol- evolving of the church. But I don't agree with some of the subject matter in the sense that is that in order to be in in the coming years that there are things that the church needs to change and I don't think that's true. I don't think that we are at a place in our walk where we need to uh, uh, customize the gospel to fit people's uh, tolerant level. Where churches are getting away from speaking on sins, speaking on things that hinder uh, individuals walk with God But when I seen this and I was listening to this panel, they asked a question. And the question was, is is that what are the people in society thirsty for? Thirsty. And I remember hearing that, you know, where somebody would say, you see that individual, they're thirsty. Look at that. Look at how that person is dressed, they're thirsty. Or look at what they're trying to do to you know, get uh, people to follow them, to like them, they're thirsty. See, one of the things about human nature is, is that we have a desire to be fulfilled, to fill in. We have a void. And before we came to the Lord, often is that we searched for, to quench that thirst in other things. Some of us went to drugs. Some of us went to relationships. Some of us, you know, got into a book, got into a career and focused on that to quench that thirst. is Because we're constantly looking to advance. So it's human nature. Some of the thirst for acceptance, for intimacy, for forgiveness, or reconciliation or for a way out of our rut. Others for reassurances from their fears, for relief from pain, for healing for one of those that we love. Maybe for the peace or for the emotional overload or for the justice of wrongs made right. Human nature thirsts. Pray with me this evening. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, Father, for this opportunity, Lord God, to minister your word. Father, to stand before your congregation, Lord God, and just to, that you you would just anoint me to deliver that word, Father. And I pray hearts are receptive, and God, that you, Father God, would be glorified tonight. Lord, I pray this in your son's glorious name, amen, amen, amen. Thirst. See, the Bible in John chapter 4, at the beginning, chapters 3 through 12, it mentions the story of where Jesus was going to encounter a woman who was thirsty. And she didn't know it. She didn't know it. How, How many know that sometimes there are things that we need that we just don't understand yet until God reveals it? That's what you needed. That's what you were lacking. That's what you needed to forgive. That's what you needed to let go of. And sometimes we don't understand the full picture, but when God starts to unfold it, then we're able to get a clearer picture of what God is trying to do. So the story goes is is that Jesus was on his way to Galilee. And it was in through Galilee. Actually, he was on his way to Jerusalem. But to go to Jerusalem, he had to pass through Galilee. And part of this journey that him and his disciples were on was is the fact that he was going to come to Samaria. And in Samaria, there would be a well. It was Jacob's well. And now it was here where Jesus would encounter a woman the Bible says that she was, uh, some commentaries say that she was a jaded woman. She was a woman who was deeply hurt. She was a woman who went from relationship to relationship to relationship. The Bible says she had five husbands. And so when Jesus encounters her, the, the Bible says that the disciples went into the town to get food for them. But it was here that Jesus, the Bible says, was weary and he sat at the well. Now, it, the hour of the day was is because some people say that the hour of the day that she would go was because of her reputation. She was a woman that was probably just talked about. Women didn't trust her. People talked about her and she could feel condemned even going into town for the simple task of gathering water. And it was here that Jesus would encounter her and meet her. How many know that Jesus will always meet you at your lowest point? Jesus will always meet you at the, your lowest point. But the one thing that I love about the Lord is that he will never leave you how he found you. That he has something great in store for you. So he meets with her and then he asks her for a simple task. He says, give me some water. And she was blown away at this because she was a Samaritan woman. And she knew and she even says that the Jews do not have anything to do with the Samaritans. But then he tells her, he says, if you knew who was asking you, you wouldn't question it. So it goes on to say in chapter four, verse 10, actually chapter four, verse 13. It says, oh, actually, verse 10. And it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldn't have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So our text, John 4, 13, he says this. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Beautiful. See, we're familiar with this passage. It's been preached many times throughout the decades that the woman at the well, the woman at the well is a woman of, who had come to a point in her life where she was thirsty, she was tired. And Jesus sat at Jacob's well while his disciples went on to the village in Sychar and roughly the Bible says half a mile away. And it was about noon, the hottest part of the day, and a Samaritan woman came to the well at this inconvenient time to draw water. The thing was, is that the unusual part of this was, is that in order to have this encounter, Jesus broke three Jewish laws. How many know that the Lord doesn't care about religion? The laws of you having to do this and that. It was a custom not to speak or have any encounters with a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. There were were two nations who did not get along. But you see, it was on this day that Jesus was going to reveal a need. A need that we all here had. She had a spiritually parched. She was thirsty. But she didn't know it, that she was thirsty for the living water. See, the word of God references water to salvation in God's word. In Isaiah 12, 3, it says, Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. See, the human body has needs to sustain a healthy life. Jesus represents the metaphor that the spiritual man has a greater need. See, science already has said that we need the four basic elements to survive we need water, we need air, we need food, and we need light. The four basics. In order to sustain life. But the one thing I love about the word of God is that Jesus says this. He says, I am the living water. He says, I am the breath of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And I am the light of the world. Jesus is all we need. Jesus is all we need. See, for once, I hear and see that science has got it right. To this day, science is still studying the wonders of God. The stars, the ocean, everything that God has created, science is fascinated as how. How is it possible? See, we serve a living God. We serve a God who can speak it. The Bible says in Genesis that he spoke the word and created all these things. So you and I are, the Bible says, are the apple of his eye that you and I have have a great uh, 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 future in store for us through Jesus Christ. See, in Isaiah chapter 41, turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17, and it reads this. It says, the afflicted and needy are seeking water. Who? That was us. We were seeking to quench the thirst. But you never got satisfied. Any drugs could never satisfy you. Relationships could not satisfy you. Money after money. Fistfuls of money could not satisfy you. But only Jesus. And it says the afflicted or needy are seeking water. But there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. I, say I. I The Lord will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of valleys. And I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. God in his word has clarified and made it point point blank that he is the living water. He is the living water. So when this woman met Jesus at that moment, regardless of her past, see your past is not your future. Regardless of what you did the the mistakes that you made or all the errors that you made, you stumbled, you got up, you stumbled, you got up. But the point is, is that you got up. The point is, is that you keep getting up. The point is is that you say, you know what, devil, I'm not going to let you get a hold of me this time. I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. It's a process, people. It's a process where we sometimes, you know, what we just, you know, we we, sometimes it's hard to grasp what God is trying to do. I say this, and I know we laugh. I says, we're all here because we're not all there. We don't got it all together. And the person that thinks they have it all together needs Jesus the most. So our text, Jesus will address her need. Jesus will always meet you at our lowest point. Physically, she was there for the water, but spiritually, she was dehydrated. Have you ever been so thirsty? That man, and there's no water in sight? I say this to my kids. I could have gallons and gallons of water stored. 10 gallons, 15 gallons. And nobody drinks it. The moment... We run out, everybody's dying of thirst. I'm getting texts, dad, I'm parched. I'm thirsty, bitmojis of crawling in the desert and everything. I was like, turn the water hose on. I did that, we lived, right? I mean, you're like, if it's not Fiji, it's not water. You know, we, we get all bougie after a while. Because I mean, before, the water hose was good. And now it's like, oh, it has to be this. It has to be that. It has to be, you know, Voss. <laughs> like, I ain't paying no $5 for a glass that has water. But see, when we're thirsty, I mean, you ever go- gone to a ball game? Disneyland? Right? What are you paying for water now? Bottle water, like six bucks, seven bucks. And you know, common sense, you you don't want to, but then you have no choice because you're thirsty. See, the person who is thirsty oftentimes reaches for something that's not beneficial to them. It's like I know people who don't drink no water. All they drink is coffee and, and monster drinks. That's all. And see, what your body will do is it it will extract the water from it and the rest gets stored into fat cells and other things. But your water is beneficial. You're 70% water. That's why when a person is dehydrated, they become a little loopy, disoriented, spiritually the same. When you're spiritually dehydrated, you become a little disoriented. You feel a little out of place. You feel like you're not connecting. And what Jesus is referring to us is saying, look, come to the well. Come to the well. Draw from the well. Take in the living water. The Bible says worlds come out of you like a fountains of water. Back in the day, we used to sing a song, I got a river of life. I got a river of life flowing out of me. I got a river of life. I mean, those old songs sometimes, you know what? We, we forget a lot, but when you hear a song that you heard maybe 25, 30 years ago and you know all the words, man, that's, that's the, the Holy Spirit quickening you and you just get, start getting revived inside your spirit and you start to come alive and you just start to just be refreshed because there is nothing more refreshing Then a nice cold glass of water on a hot day. You know, sometimes we take those things for granted. We say, oh, you know what? The church will always be there. Who cares? You know, I'll miss a few services. I'll catch up. God help the individual who, when they show up one day and nobody's here. God came for his church. You'll hear us preach that often. Jesus is coming. i said it again. Jesus is coming. And we need to stay ready. We need to be, we need to be well uh, hydrated in the Holy Spirit. We need to be hydrated to the point where we say, you know what, God, I am sustained. I am filling. Your presence, God. I am feeling that. See, when an individual has that type of relationship, that you are, you know what, you, everything you see, you, 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 you feel, you come into the house of God. And you know what, even though the day wasn't as good as you wanted it to be, but when you leave here, you leave here a different individual. Because you did not let the enemy steal from you, rob from you, or just take every, all your joy away. You said, you know what, devil, you ain't gonna steal my joy you're not going to steal my joy. I came to praise God and I'm going to give God the glory. I'm going to give a good shout. I'm going to play my music. I'm going to just lift up my hands, even though I don't feel it. Even though I don't feel it, Jesus, I'm going to just glorify you. See, it's those individuals who are tapping into the well, tapping into the well, See, in our text, Jesus was going to address her real need. That's why the Bible says that he sent the disciples away. Because he didn't need anybody to disrupt him. He didn't need anybody reminding him of what the law was because he is the, the living law but he was going to meet her need. And in John 6:35 it says this, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Never thirst. See, she was jaded. She was she was all messed up. And she knew it. She knew it. She said, you look, you know, uh, when he asked her, he says, you're about your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you said right. He already knew. He already knew. The five husbands that, you know what, she even got to the point, she says, I'm not even going to get married. We're just going to shack up. But she had been hurt in life, relationship after relationship. How many know that sometimes toxic relationships could really destroy us if we let them? If we let them. If we let them get into our head. If we let them get into our spirit. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to let go of things. Let go of people. I don't say cut them off for life. I'm just saying for a season. Well, you know what? God is doing something in you where you know what? You just say, you know what? I just need to step back. I had to do that. I had to step back from those that I love the most. But when I came back. I came back there was that almost respect is that we know that you're for real now. We know that we're, you know they they stop offering me beer. They stop offering me all the goodies. They says, "Oh, we're not going to do that. We know that you're a Christian. We know that you and your family serve God." Is that when they start doing that they start seeing a transformation in your life. See, one of the evidence is that you are being transformed is that you start to bear fruit. Good fruit. Kindness. Gentleness. Love. Understanding. All those fruits. Galatians chapter 5, read it. Take a list. So she was offered a drink of these living waters. There were three things, wells, that I want to bring out tonight. The first one is the well of purpose. It is there where we have an understanding of what our purpose is. That when you start to draw from the well of purpose, God starts to unfold what He has in store for you and I. Some of you here have yet to answer the call that God has placed on you. Because you question it Are you sure, God? You know, I'm a little messed up. Are you sure? And God says, yes. But one thing I love about the Bible is that all the people that it mentions is always all had something going on in their life. Murderers, tax collectors, backstabbers, people who couldn't hold their mouth, couldn't hold their tongue, always speaking out of line. But God, when they started tapping into the well, started transforming. I hear people and they say, you know, I'm I'm like Peter in the Bible. Peter in the book of Acts or Peter who always ran his mouth. Because when Jesus touched Peter in the book of Acts, the Bible says that he became a bold man of God. And started preaching the gospel started following in his destiny that God had in store for him see how you start is not how you're gonna finish see God is looking to transform us on a daily basis so we go to the well of purpose see in Jeremiah 29 11 we know the Bible says that he has a plan for our future and for a hope see these are several signs that you aren't living to God's purpose you feel like drudgery you feel like it's such a task to come to church. It's such a task to pray. It's such a task to, to tap into per, to the, to the presence of God. It's, it's like, why, you know, uh, is it Thursday? Is it Sunday? It's, it, you're just drudgery. And The next thing is you're complacent with sin. Is where sin doesn't convict you no more. We're, we're start, we start becoming okay with it and we just start, to, just start to convince ourselves that, you know, we're only human and God understands us. God will not leave you the way he found you. God is always looking to transform us. So it's up to us, you and I, to have a desire to seek after the things of God. Next is, is you don't have the hope for the future. That you think that this is the best that it's going to get. If you have that mentality, yes, you're going to be stuck. You are not going to progress. It's like you're walking in snow and you're going nowhere. But see, when you say, you know what, Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus, I know you have a plan for my marriage. Jesus, I know that my children are going to get saved. Jesus, I know you have great things in store for me. When you start to tap into that and you start to hold on to that, then you're able to see with the the vision that God has given you. See, I could preach it to you. They could preach it to us through day in, Sundays, Thursdays, revivals, all these things. But if we're not accepting it and we're not receiving it and acting on it, we will never develop. That is the purpose. Of the gospel is to transform us, to make disciples. That's the only thing that we've been mandated to do. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a, you guys should think about it. No, it's to go and make disciples in the image of Christ. The last thing is, is that you feel aimless. Like you feel like you have no direction. If you are feeling this, is that you are tapping into the well of despair, The solution is to fulfilling God's purpose for your life is immersing yourself in the word. When you immerse yourself in the word of God, you will see your priorities aligning with God's priorities. Gain the sense of purpose and you've been missing. Pray for direction. Let that be your prayer. Say, you know what, God, lead me, guide me. I say this all the time. Place me before the right people. Not just anybody, but the right people. See, sometimes the right people don't look to be the people that God has in store for you. We're always looking for that smart, intelligent, well-versed individual. But sometimes it's just a person who just has a solid, solid relationship with God. They don't, may not read well. They may not speak well. But they tap into the well a purpose, and they have a strong, strong relationship with God, and they can lead you there as well. You and I, praying for direction. Drawing on your God-given passion, God has given each of us special talents and interests. Part of fulfilling God's purpose for your life is finding ways to draw on these passions. To give the world something only you can how has God gifted you? Ask yourself that question. Some of us here in this house have some amazing, amazing talents that God has gifted you with. But you're afraid to step out. You're afraid to voice it. Oh, we'll sit there and criticize the person who's doing it. Oh, I could sing better than that. Oh, I could do this. You know, if, I, if it was me, I would have did that. If it was me, I would have do this. You'll never know what God has in store for you and I if we don't step out and accept a challenge. One person said this. Is he says, if you have a strong purpose in life, you don't have to be pushed. Your passion will d- drive you there. If you have a passion and a desire to see souls one." God will place you before those people, the thirsty individuals. The second thing is the well of fulfillment. Relationship is the inner sense of wanting to be loved. You know, yesterday they made a big thing about it. I mean, you could get married for $14 yesterday at the Chapel of Love somewhere, I forget. I mean, they set up tents outside the courthouse or outside the hall of the records. You know, where people were just driving through. Everybody wanted to get married on Valentine's Day. So the whole emphasis was love, love, love. Billions of dollars were spent on flowers. Billions of all these things to just show and express our love. Relationships. Jeremiah 2, 13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me in the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns reservoirs broken sisters that cannot hold water so what well are we drawing from what well because when we draw from the well a purpose when we draw from the well of fulfillment what we're saying is god is that you are all i need relationships marriages must be founded on the union that God has brought you together. Remember the old song, "Thin Line Between Love and Hate." Some of you do. Some of you millennials don't know. You're, you guys are Swifties. <laughs> but in that song, what's funny is, is because it starts off good. You know, she's waiting for him. He comes home five in the morning have you ate? She makes him breakfast. She's loving on him. But halfway through that song, what does he say? Here I am sitting in the hospital, bandaged from head to toe. See, at some point she ain't having it no more, right? She beat him down. How it started is not how it ended. And see, oftentimes we put so much emphasis on the relationship as, oh, he has such lovely eyes. He's so kind. He's all these things. But when you get to live with an individual, you get to see the real them. You get to see that they're not a morning person. That, you know what, they need two cups of coffee just to start to act normal. Right? Right? And like I said this last time, you didn't know that he slept with his eyes open. You know, you're just all like freaking out about it. So we get to know each other and it's, it's it's a give and it's a take. And you start to, you know, you start to form that union, but with an individual in a couple places, their trust in Jesus, and they go to the well of fulfillment, the well of joy, all these wells that God has to offer for us, then that relationship is growing stronger. That relationship is thriving. And God is doing a glorious work there. Because we we don't, when we come to the Lord, man, some of us, our relationships were hurting. I remember there's oftentimes, Pastor Stella asked me this one time. She said, you know what, Anthony, you should do a a marriage seminar. And I said, you know what, if I ever do a marriage seminar, it's going to be on what not to do, what not to say. I learned early on, early on in my marriage, that you don't have to remind your spouse, your wife, that her food doesn't taste like your mother's. My mom never made it this way. (laughs) You'll end up eating top ramen for the rest of the week. So you learn and you grow and you learn to... I remember one time she made me spaghetti. And you know how the Parmesan cheese, how it looks and it comes in that little green thing? She hands me my spaghetti. And I took a bite and I was like... And my daughter looks, she says, Dad, don't, don't say it. Don't do it. She had put garlic salt on it instead of, but I didn't say nothing. She came and says, don't eat it. I made a mistake. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The last is the well of contaminant. We could contaminate our wells, contaminate it. The Bible says in James 3:11, it says, "Can sweet water and bitter water flow from the same well?" See, we can't be speaking Jesus on Thursdays and Sunday and speaking nonsense the rest of the week. See, we're called to feed ourselves at home. And we come to the house of God for clarification. That the same person that comes to Living Word is the same person at the workforce, at the job, at the school, at, at your apartment complex. That you're the same individual. That if they were to ask, "What could you tell me about that person?", They'll, the first thing is is that they're church people. They're Christians. They're kind they're generous, they think of others, the characteristics of Christ. See, we can't contaminate our well with sin. The scripture says in Ecclesiastics that a fly in the anointing oil can ruin it all. Meaning what? That the anointing that God has over your life, your marriage, that it could be contaminated by a little sin that we allow in so we remove the contaminants, sin, pride, spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is the worst. See, what goes in will come out. Psalms 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that there are many here this evening, many watching us that have tasted and seen the goodness of God. You're here tonight and you still haven't accepted the Lord that he says, it's a good thing. I like coming to church, but I like doing my own thing. I'm not ready yet. You'll never be ready. God's saying to you this evening, come as you are. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Stand up this evening with me. When you read the rest of the story, down to verse 15, the Lord convinced her of the need that she had. The Bible said that she said this, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. See, when you come to the Lord, it is God that will fulfill you. The relationship The money, all the toys. They will only give you happiness. Real joy comes from the Lord. Can't be bought. When you and I surrender over to Christ is when he will give us that joy. And this is what I love in verse 28 of chapter four. It says, then the woman left her water jar and went back into the city. She told the people, come with me and meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? See, all we need is Jesus. Jesus. Not religion, not, not, a, not a, a, a weekend relationship with the Lord. No, we need Jesus every day. When you wake up, your your first breath should be thank you, Jesus, for waking me up. Your last breath before you put your head on that pillow is to be thank you, Lord, for getting me through the day. Father, place your hand over my loved ones. See, if you're unsaved here tonight, you're drawing from every one of these wells, and you will never quench your thirst. Money, religion, relationships, they're only temporary. Every head bowed, every eye closed.